And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real, you're already working hard to earn your money, but how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It is Friday, November 5th. And uh, you know, it is the first Friday of the month. You know what that means, Mark? It's a jobs report day. If we get a strange reading up or down from what is expected, then I will make sure we tell you about that tomorrow. Here's what we know. Coming into this report, we had a huge beginning part of this year with lots and lots of jobs created. And when the, you know, sort of like the, I think May, June numbers were like a million, then a fall off because of obviously the pandemic taking off and then the Delta variant. And actually, in the month prior, which is September, there were only 194,000 jobs created. A little bit of a quirk on that. It's just like some of the way that we count when teachers go back on the job. It's just a very strange thing. But anyway, it, was a, it wasn't a great number. There were some other parts of the report of that previous report that were fine, that were good. This time around, I'll tell you what, I've been looking at estimates all over the place, Mark. So I think a low of 300. I think um, our friend of the pod, Diane Swank, she just sent a note out. And um, her number was, hold on, I've got it here. She thinks that we're going to beat on the upside. And she thinks there's going to be 650,000 jobs. What do you think of that? So let's take the middle, maybe 400,000. That's what I'm thinking. Probably. We'll see. Unemployment rate likely to hold steady at around 4.8%. Swank says it's for the right reasons. So that means more people coming into the labor force. Are You You want to take the over or the under on the jobs report, Mark? Oh, Mark's taking the under. Betting against Swank, very dangerous for you. <laughs> She's not always right. She's very happy to say, like, I'm not always right. She's not the one. She doesn't really go get too nutty about that. All right, let's get some... Uh, questions answered for your Friday. Uh, This is Katie who says, thanks for the podcast. You are an answer to my prayers for someone who can make the world of finance and retirement comprehensible and attainable. For years, 
Katie's been trying to do the right things to prepare for retirement and save money, but I don't understand that despite attempts at research, your show makes financial questions and quandaries easy to understand, but not sure how to relate your advice for people with hundreds of thousands in income and investments to my very different situation. Okay, let's look at your situation. I would love some help figuring out how to maximize mine and my husband's much smaller incomes and assets to best set us up for future success. Okay. My financial goals are to one, better organize my retirement savings. Right now, I have a little money all over the place because people or the retirement research I did said you need these types of accounts, but I don't understand which are the best for us. Two, we need to get my husband started with his retirement savings and get a plan for catching him up. Okay. Three, we want to save money for our two kids. Um, we are blessed with family who contributes $1,500 a year to a savings account for each child, which we match. I don't want to lock it into an account that is strictly for college in case my kids someday prefer a different route to success. I do want to maximize the money and its earning potential. Okay. Number one goal, better organized retirement savings. Okay. I'm not sure what you have. What you want to do is make sure that all of your pre-tax money is in one account and maybe all of your Roth money is in another account. Hopefully you have that and you're using your income to fund one or the other. You didn't say how much you make, but you know, if you find yourself not making that much money, we do tend to like the Roth. Same thing with your husband, you know, if he's not really using any retirement plans actively or he doesn't have one available, he can open up a Roth IRA for himself and put it on autopilot. So that's your second plan for catching him up. Uh, you didn't say how old you were. So if he's over the age of 50, he can really catch up. But we need a little bit more in the detail. What do you think about saving money for the kids, Mark? Do What kind of an account should we open for them? It sounds like they're just in a savings account. What do you think they should do? I think, yeah, I'm thinking a custodial account at a brokerage firm. But I'll tell you what, we would be very happy to talk to you in detail about some of these questions because that would, I think, be much more helpful to you if we can really customize the, the advice we're giving you to your situation. Uh, okay, now, this is from Olga, who recently began listening to the show, and she loves the content. Thank you. We appreciate that. Okay. Olga and her husband are in their 50s. They live in New York. They've got two kids, 22 and 19. 22-year-old graduated from college in May, and she's currently doing an unpaid internship and working part-time in retail. Oh, God. These unpaid internships suck. Olga's 19-year-old is in her second year at a community college, planning on transferring to a four-year college next year. That's awesome. They've got 10 grand and a 529 plan for the daughter who's still in college. Okay. Husband works for the federal government. He's got access to a thrift savings plan. Listen to this. He's got a balance of $780,000 in pre-tax funds, 150 in a traditional IRA with Vanguard. Guy makes 133 grand a year. Wow. He also has access to a pension. Ooh, look at these numbers. Funny how these numbers really jump. Okay. Listen to these numbers. The husband's pension pays about a third of his salary at age 57, 42% if you wait five more years till 62. So let me just start here. Wait till 62. Okay. She's got access to a 403B. It's got 240 grand. She's got $250,000 in TIAA CREF, $100,000 in thrift savings plan, another 95 grand in Vanguard. All those are pre-tax. They've got 
22 grand in a brokerage account, six grand in savings. They've got cars, <laughs> house, uh, $300,000, mortgages, 68,000. Okay. Roth. We've been trying to keep our taxable income below 160 in order to qualify for the American Opportunity Credit. But I've been listening to the pod. I'm not sure if we should forego the credit and just use the Roth retirement accounts. They opened a Roth IRA for their husband. They're going to fund it to the max. They've lived in the same house for almost 18 years. It's, uh, uh-oh, located in a flood zone. Oh, brother. So they've kept the house up, but they haven't done a ton of renovations that would have liked. About a year ago, many homes in our community were knocked down as part of a buyout program. We weren't part of the program because we weren't aware of the application, blah, blah, blah. We'd like to sell and move, but not sure where to go. All right, let's talk about this American Opportunity Credit. Should they keep using pre-tax money in order to qualify for the American Opportunity Credit? I'm just going to give, oh, let me just first tell everybody what it is. I'm sorry. It's a credit for qualified education expenses, and you get a maximum annual credit of $2,500 per eligible student. So that's kind of good. That would be for each kid. So it's five grand for each kid. So wait a second. The kid who's 22 is done with college. So maybe 19-year-old, she's in her second year, maybe do it one more year and get it. I don't know. A credit is a good thing, Mark. He makes 133. She must not, I don't know what she makes, but if you could stay under 160, all right, for this year, 2021, and even maybe one more year, that's fine. I wouldn't go crazy. I really wouldn't. I think that eventually we would like you to be doing a Roth because you have a ton of money in pre-tax and you will be receiving income when you retire, right? Because you're going to have retirement pension. He's going to have retirement pension. You're going to have social security. So I do think we want you to do a Roth. The question is whether you can grab this credit for another year or two. I do think this idea about selling is a very interesting idea. I think that if you want to do that, you're going to have to do some research. And, you know, I might not move to a community near where you are until you really crunch numbers. And that we would need more information for. We really would. All right, Pam, subject is long-term care insurance. Okay. Now, Pam says she's received a bunch of suggestions for long-term care costs to pay for them. One, get a whole life policy that doubles as a long-term care insurance policy. $10,000 per person for 10 years pays out $4,500 a month for four years with a death benefit of a hundred grand or so. Second, you can get, it looks like a straight up long-term care insurance. Um, And that is, wow, Mark, look at these premiums. So, it's uh, $4,600 for three years per couple, $6,100 in premium for five years. Okay. Third, put money away for in-home care, although I don't know the cost for that. You know, it's weird. In-home care that most people are paying when you need it is something like 20 or 25 grand. Husband's 61, going to retire next year. She's 59. She retired last year. Teacher's pensions. Mark, check this out. 90 grand a year. No debt. They own their own home. They've got 260,000 in 403Bs. They live within their means. Even with my reduced income, we are able to save. What do you think? Mark, if you've got income of 90 grand a year and they haven't even tapped social security yet, why would they need long-term care insurance? 
Yeah. I'm, I mean, it is guaranteed income. So if someone needed care, yeah, it could cost more, but it's not going to cost that much more. I don't know. I think I would just save money. And um, the what you know, you said you had some money in 403Bs. Do you have other money? Do you have money that's in a retirement um, in non-retirement assets? I think that would be interesting to just build up your non-retirement assets at this point. That's what I would do. Okay. Emily says, love both of your shows. Hey, we've got two shows, this one and I on money. You can get it at our website, jillandmoney.com. Okay. Every morning on my way to work, I listen to your show. It's become part of my daily routine. That's the kind of person we love right there, Miss Emily. Okay. Oh my God. This is going to get us that same hate mail from yesterday. Emily's 48. She and her husband have a combined salary of, wait for it, $550,000 a year. She wants to retire in 10 years, so she would be 58 and then volunteer. That's nice. Husband will work until age 65, but with a scaled back workload. We will likely earn less than $200,000 a year, somewhere between uh, the, those ages of 58 to 65. You ready for what they got, Mark? A million dollars in a traditional 401k so far. A million dollars in brokerage accounts. They max out 401ks every year. Question is the Roth conversion. Does it still make sense for us to continue to do pre-tax 401k from now on until I retire at age 58 or should we do after tax? Question two, should I start planning Roth conversions now and do it gradually over time or should I wait until our income drops? Any insights you can share would be greatly appreciated, Emily. Well, I don't think you should do it now. Mark, I know that you love your Roths, but I think it's right. I think you wait to do any sort of converting. And I think that you probably wait until then to even use the Roth. So what I would do is if you have extra cash flow, keep funding the brokerage accounts, income drops, and then you can start to do the conversion. And maybe at that time, Let's see where you stand and let's see how much money you really are making. Let's see where tax rates are. But if you're in the 22% tax bracket at that time, because maybe you're not making 200, maybe you're making more like 150 together, uh, then I think we might want to use the Roth. But I think you keep doing what you're doing right now. Mark wants to split the difference. I don't think so. They have a lot of pre-tax, but they also have a lot of brokerage account. I think they're going to be fine. Ask Slot what he thinks. He's going to say split the difference. He's going to say do it all. I'm leaning towards due pre-tax. That's me. Just because I know they're going to have this ni- really nice period of time, those seven years, they're going to have a lot of opportunity to convert. Just me. I don't know. You can take Mark's opinion or my opinion. He says half and half. I'm thinking all. All right. That's it for today. It is Friday. And again, um, by the time you hear this, we will have probably gotten, unless you're crazy like me and Mark and you do a lot of your work and listening early in the morning, but you you may be waiting around for the jobs report. Don't worry. It's just one report like anything else. It's just a part of the puzzle. We so appreciate you listening. Um, On Fridays, we do a little business. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman. Mark Talercio is our executive producer. We are distributed by Cadence 13. Now, do something nice for someone else today with something we say quite a bit. And I just want you to know that there is a lot of research that shows that when you do something nice for somebody, it kind of like puts your brain on fire a little bit in a good way. So it's not just me saying it like Pollyanna-esque, and I'm not really a Pollyanna, but if you do something nice, it does make you feel better. So do that. 
You can subscribe to this wherever you get your podcast. Pass it along. Be good out there. Have a wonderful weekend. We're going to do answer more of your questions this weekend. Don't worry. Grit, growth, grace. We will talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.